1: Welcome, young, old, and in between. It is time for Wrestling of the Max's Raw Review for September 11th, 2017. And of course, we are brought to you by W2Mnet.com, as well as 411mania.com. And last word on ProWrestling.com. We appreciate everyone who's came to check this out tonight. Once again, you can go find all of our great content and, of course, all these great review shows like Monday Night Raw, SmackDown Live, and, of course, NXT over there at Wrestling to the Max. Search it out wherever you get your podcast, maybe Apple Podcast, or, you know i you know i don't know maybe even youtube go search them out find out wrestling to the max go subscribe now rate and review as well don't forget to do that and also once again i want you guys to always know we appreciate those comments make sure you post something that way we know what you think about the show and maybe some feedback here and there that so we can grow the show even more for you guys i am gary vaughn and along with me is your host paul leaser hey and, Paul, we've, of course, got a Monday Night Raw that is going to be kind of interesting to talk about. I'm lo- looking forward to, to getting into it. I'm not going to give away too much in the opening. Um, but, of course, it also came down on an important uh, date in the mm. United States because of history. And, uh, of course, you know, I'm sure you'll intro in with all that. But, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of fell into place. And I think it fell into place for WWE uh, for what they like to do and all that stuff. So I think it's also maybe... a Kind of possibly a little bit of the, also the NFL season started for some of this raw so i I wanted to throw those things out here at the beginning so
0: we can kind of get into that the rest of the show but yeah I'm excited let's talk about this raw man yeah let's dive right in uh, and as you were talking about they do open with a a very very nice video package uh, commemorating 9 eleven and all the victims and uh, Of course, plugging... I I believe they do plug the fact that they were the first uh, company to run a live show since uh, after the tragedy happened all those years ago now, which just makes me feel so old. Uh, (laughs) You're telling me, man. Uh, And then after that, we uh, dive right into a match, which is still a wonderful change of pace as Roman Reigns takes on Jason Jordan. And this is, of course, spinning out of last week where Roman made fun of Cena for taking 20 minutes to beat a rookie. Uh, even though it took him a little north of 10. And it takes Roman Reigns longer to beat Jason Jordan. He takes almost 15, but he finally puts him away with the uh, Superman punch, spear combination. I thought Jordan looked great here. Uh, Roman obviously still gets to get his stuff in, but he gave a lot to Jason, which was really nice.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and before we jump into this match, do you mind if I kind of talk about the September 11 thing really quickly here? Yeah, let's do it, buddy. I just I should have told you pre-show. I just was want to mention a couple of things. Uh, you, you mentioned that WB, you know, met, you know, talked about them being the first live show and all that stuff. And I think they really took this opportunity to not promote themselves overall. Really, it was mm-hmm. to promote the country and to really say thank you and to kind of really send a positive message. And I really appreciate that. I know maybe it's something they do on a normal basis. So why should I even say that? But I don't think I really have ever said that personally. I think it's really cool that they take that time to do that, and especially on a, you know, historical day where it's 16 years later, maybe they don't really feel like they have to anymore, but they still do. And uh, so I thought it was really, really cool for them to open the show out like that and just really show the respect. And, I I mean, talking about making me feel old, Paul, I, I still remember... You know, all this stuff going down. And then I was talking to my wife today, uh, September 11th, of course. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me she was still in high school. And I was like, oh, I was in college. So now I feel even older.
0: (laughs) I won't tell you where I was, and I was still in middle school when uh, when nine eleven happened. <laughs>
1: well, yeah. See, but see, I to, in my defense to her was this was my first year in school in college, and as soon as I walked out the door of high school, I walked straight into community college. So <laughs> it wasn't like I was, you know, my fourth year, senior year, or anything right. like that in college. But yeah, yeah. Still, thanks a lot, Paul. Now I feel even more ancient. Just rub that in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just get that salt in the wound. But I don't know about you, man, but I. I think, once again, I mean, this is cool that WWE is still doing this 16 years later.
0: I agree, uh, especially because I I don't know how – I haven't watched TV a lot today, so I don't know how much play this has gotten on a radio station or TV or anything like that. But this is absolutely a transcendent moment in in at least American history um, of one of just like the greatest tragedies to ever happen to our country – uh, so many people died. It, it was an earth shattering. Like sc- I was in, like I said, I was in middle school. School stopped essentially as people were either watching on TV or listening on the radio. Uh, and I happened to be in shop class whenever all this happened. So this is, uh, I, I as somebody uh, much older than me at the time would say, for us it was JFK, uh, the the assassination of JFK that we always remember where we were. for For our generation, it's where you were when nine eleven happened.
1: You want to know where I was?
0: I was in the shower.
1: It <laughs> <laughs> sounds really crude and weird and put that mental image in everyone's mind. Uh, but I, I literally remember because I heard my friend outside, you know, at this time, a buddy of mine would sometimes come over and stay the night because we had school the next day together. And he said, man, I'll just drive you up there. We'll just I'll just come hang out. We always hang out all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Just crash your place get up and go to school. After that, go our separate ways, and the next time we get, you know, we'll get together again. And, and i like, cool, no problem. That's awesome. So I, I hear him, of course, talking and just really talking about something. And I'm like, man, what in the world is he talking about? I'm making a big deal. So I get out of the shower and go and check it out, and of course, that's when I saw this, you know, smoke coming out of the building, and then I believe I saw the next plane crash after that. So, and needless to say, it was a pretty big, important day for me, too, because after, you know, we saw that second plane hit, you realize this wasn't an accident this is an attack and you kind of get amped up to another level you're first sorrowful and like oh that stinks and then you're like oh now i'm angry and i remember going to that uh to college that day and of course you know a lot of professors were like go home everybody don't worry this is we really need to focus on what's going on and then i had a history professor who says oh this is history but that's great. Now you can learn about more history. Come to class. And I was so ticked. <laughs> <laughs> so, not that I wanted just to skip school because of the tragedy, but I wanted to watch the news like everybody else. I right. wanted to see what's going on with my country. You know, are, are we heading into another world war or something and all this kind of stuff? So, it, it, it's an impactful day. And it's one of those I'll never forget. And as silly as it is that I was in the shower and all that kind of stuff, it, it still sticks with me to this day. I still remember it like it was yesterday. And that, that's something important. You know, I think uh, my child, you know, she's so young. This happened way before her. Mm-hmm. It, this just be something I'll be talking to her about where I was and what it was about. Just like you mentioned the JFK thing, and I did, a, you know, talking to people in that time period. So, I, I'm sorry we spent so much time on this. I just wanted to, I felt like it was important to mention, and how much I do appreciate WWE still focusing a little bit on mm-hmm. something that is important in our History.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're still feeling the effects of this attack 15, 16 years on, just with how the country, I think, so radically changed after the event and is still really trying to find itself almost after that.
1: Yeah, you're right. So, sorry, everyone in the UK and South America, South Africa, Korea, everywhere else around the world. A little United States talk to start the show off. Uh, but, yeah, no, I know I do want to talk about this first match. And, and Roman Reigns against Jason Jordan, I, I like the fact that they did this because we saw, you know, Jason Jordan last week against Cena. Mm-hmm. Everything that they did in this match was pretty good. I really appreciated it. I think that they let Jason Jordan look really well here. Um, you kind of knew, just kind of like you did against Cena, that he wasn't going to come out victorious, but at least he did some things to make you happy uh, about where they're moving him towards. And in weeks past, I keep talking about, well, you know, this is great now, but where's Jason Jordan? I keep wanting to fast forward to the big pinnacle point. I, I think tonight I kind of realized something. Gary, slow down. Just, just let Jason Jordan do what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. He's a part of the storyline. He'll do his thing later whenever it may be possible. He'll turn and I'm okay with that. I I think maybe I need to, lay, you know, hold
0: my horses a little bit of on Jason Jordan. They very much seem like they want to play the long game with him, which that is that is fine, right? You can't I wouldn't want to rush into suddenly this guy finds out who his dad is and he's on this new show and then they rush into already having him turn instead of letting people just sort of see where where the character takes him for a while before they they venture down that road. So I, I agree with you. As much as the storyline has sort of faded away from the main attention of Raw, um, they still throw it in uh, during the big stuff, and I think that's that's fine for now.
1: Mm-hmm. And a nice crossover, too, because really he's not the center of this feud between him and Cena.
0: Right.
1: Uh, or Roman Reigns, excuse me. Uh, I just... I, I, You know, it, it's something to get him on TV. It's getting him good matches. Mm-hmm. And that's important. We need to watch, you know, Jason Jordan, and we don't need to see him in a bunch of squash matches. This is important experience for him. And if they got big things in store for him, he's going to have to have these type of things under his belt. And so I'm very happy for Jason Jordan. And, you know, I'm really excited about maybe seeing what you think about the Cena and Roman Reigns vocal uh, back and forth part 3 Mm-hmm
0: yeah uh and th- that happens right afterwards after reigns offers jason jordan a handshake so kind of it's still trying to paint reigns into the good guy light if you ask me even though many times both people in wwe and roman reigns himself have said he's not really either uh which which i don't buy at all but cena comes out he gives reigns a microphone and they have themselves some words uh cena rubs in the fact that it took roman longer to, to beat jason jordan uh and basically this all builds up to the point where Cena talks about how Reigns is still considered a failure in his eyes. He's going to take him to school at no mercy. He's not doing anything new. He's not evolving. He'll accomplish something and ride on that for a while, whereas Cena will accomplish something and then change the game. Reigns says, you know what? You're only here because I'm selling the tickets you can't. And all this other stuff over on on Raw – Really, I felt like Reigns. This might have been the weakest he's looked so far, uh, especially whenever he makes a Hollywood crack about Cena not being able to make it when Cena's really got like seven projects on his hands right now, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> which is just silly. And Cena says, "You know what? At No Mercy, I'm going to be a drug, ste- uh, a drug test because you can't pass me."
1: Oh, yep, How? I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, and I think you're right about this. Uh, Roman Reigns, you know, kind of did his normal stick, but tonight it did not go over as well as in the past. And really, it's it's really a difficult situation for Roman Reigns, I think. It's not as – let's just be honest. They did not put him in a position where he was going to be the given winner here, Uh, at least when it comes to verbally. We already know John Cena – uh, one of the better guys on the mic in the WB. Sure, a lot of us, you know, I guess you'd call it nor- normal watchers, uh, guys who watch everything under the sun when it comes to wrestling. We see so many promos. We know what good promo cutters are and what kind of middle and b- in between and all that. And you just have to admit John Cena's that, right? You, you can't sit here and say, oh, no, I don't like John Cena, so I'm going to say he's bad. No, John Cena is great on the mic, and he does a wonderful job. And for you, and to be honest, him against Roman Reigns really puts Roman Reigns at a disadvantage immediately mm-hmm. before he even picks up the mic. So I have to give Roman Reigns credit for the fact that I, I think he's doing an okay job. I think that he's actually kind of come in and put some things together, uh, but yet this is obvious right here, and the fact that he can only go so far. And I think he's pe- he is petering and uh, kind of running out of gas right now when it comes to the verbal attacks against John Cena. Cena always had those uh, big you know, back and forth between guys, but it's not this many times, right? They don't usually do three weeks of, hey, we're going to go back and forth on the mic. You say this, I'll say. No, usually that's not the case. And right now we're seeing it's kind of becoming, I think, a little bit more of an issue for Roman Reigns. And not only that, I, I really think about Roman Reigns as a guy that wants to be the guy that John Cena is when it comes to selling tickets and all that. But we all honestly know that's not the truth. Mm -hmm. When you look at the crowd, you see Roman Reigns shirts. You you see a few things, but really, let's be honest, every time I see a pan of the crowd, I see a ton of kids wearing John Cena gear. I I see a lot more than that, than the Roman Reigns stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know for a fact when I go to live events, and I know probably people listening right now when they go to live events, what are the kids wearing? What are the kids talking about? John Cena. I, and, and this is of the Roman Reigns era. I just went to one last year. It was Roman Reigns, John Cena. Cena was winning about 75% of that crowd compared to the 25% of Roman Reigns people talking about him, wearing their clothes, all that. So it's kind of a hard sell when he says that I'm selling the tickets. And you just pointed it out, Paul. It, you know, There's so many movies out there right now already made, and not including the ones John Cena is already doing. That's just That was something they probably should not have said. I think it's a cheap way to, to knock John Cena, but it's not a smart one because I just watched a few movies and TV shows with John Cena. I think it was John Cena I saw in The Strain. I need to look up his IMDb, but I swear that was John Cena in The Strain I saw for like half a second. So he's even doing smaller parts, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. I know he's got some voiceover work going right now. He's got just tons and tons of stuff happening for him as far as Hollywood goes. One thing I want to talk about this segment, though, before we we move on is there there are, uh, well, first thing first, uh, they kind of did this back-to-back-to-back sort of segment thing when Cena was feuding with AJ over on SmackDown last year, and we got to see AJ step up to the plate, and I think they're trying to give Roman that opportunity, and there are certainly times during these promos where he is somebody who I feel like I can connect with, and it's not when he's trying to show Cena up it's when he's talking about how bad a man he is or when he's super pissed off about something like he finally feels like somebody you can connect with. And he has a moment in this one uh, and, and, and at least this one where he uh, tells Cena to get his bitch ass back here. And I think that's how Roman might get over more is just maybe being that guy who can say stuff that other people can't uh, and maybe profanity and all that. But he... They've been building him up as this bad man uh, as far as, you know, fighting and all that stuff goes. Like, he was hanging out with the three biggest dudes on Raw, guys who really looked like they could beat you up all the time. And Roman definitely felt like the weak link in that sort of picturesque destroyer badass dudes, right? I I wonder, and I know we're going to keep coming back to this heel turn until they actually do it for Roman, but... Being that guy who thinks he is the baddest and walking around with a chip on his shoulder, I think that is something that would really work for him. And there are, like when he does that during this with Cena, where he feels like he's trying to prove himself, it works. When he's trying to be typical WWE guy saying all these other things, it doesn't. And I don't know if they're catching on to that or not. In this one, it doesn't feel like they've caught on to that.
1: Yeah, no, I I'm in right there with you. You know, I think we've got a guy on our hands that does have all the potential WB wants him to have. Mm-hmm. It's just are they gonna get in his way? And I think you're right on point there. They get in his way because they feed him a lot of things that's not Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I mean, honestly, he's got the look. He's got everything there. I mean, it's all there. Everything they talk about week in and week out. Yes, you have to agree. You really can't lie and say that Roman Reigns is just a nobody. He's a nothing. Right. Uh, you know, 30 something year olds, 20 something year old guys, they're not big on this guy, just kind of like they're not with John Cena. Both guys, you know, look good or powerful. Do but. The point being is we'd love John Cena if John Cena would have been the John Cena he was when he started his career mm-hmm. and not what WWE Force fed us. That we would have been I was a John Cena fan back when he started. I really was. I was behind him all the way. I really appreciated everything he did. And then of course we got to the candy and ice cream flavor john cena and then i was kind of like okay i'm done (laughs) no thanks and i even walked away from i think even watching john cena stuff so my point being is yes if they can get him to be more natural they let him be the guy that can say a little bit more swear words do some things that maybe not everyone else allowed to do in the wb you get more of us behind him mm-hmm. you get a lot of the guys out there hating him to start saying well sh- hey at least he's not that cookie cutter at least he's not yeah. john cena we're okay with him all of a sudden so yes there's that dynamic that they could go on but are they going to i doubt it mattel is going to say uh, uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of other companies are not going to allow that to happen it just sucks paul because we see the potential i just don't know if it's ever going to happen i don't think it will
0: yeah, I, I don't know either. Uh, and to be fair, I think this feud has done Roman some favors, but I, I would say that tonight did not at all. So No. <laughs> no. Uh, speaking of John Cena, at least, he has a match with Braun Strowman later tonight, but before we can talk about that, we have to talk about this promo. With Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar, you have them come down to the ring, and Heyman continues to build Braun up as the maybe the most credible challenger to Brock Lesnar in the WWE he's this huge guy he's beaten up Brock Lesnar so many times he goes into detail about everything that uh, Braun has done to Brock but he questions whether he can handle Brock Lesnar in the ring uh, because he, he might be bigger and stronger but he's not the beast he is not the mayor of Suplex City he's not all these things that Brock has proven himself to be since he has come back Braun comes out. He's all pissed off. They have a big brawl in the ring. Braun no-sells a frickin' German, which is just awesome, and then gets up and choke slams the bejesus out of Brock. Big power slam. He stands tall with one foot over the man with the title held in the air. I uh, I like this. I really like Braun. He's grown on me tremendously. I think he might be the guy that WWE is looking forward to at least be their their monster heel for years to come if they can do this right. I kind of want him to beat Brock. I know it's not going to happen, but I really would love it if he did.
1: Yeah, and I'm right there with you. And I look at this as really interesting because of the fact that they made him just really do everything that we saw Goldberg do to Brock Lesnar, right? I mean, and we talked about this last week and maybe even mentioned a couple weeks before this. I look at that and say to myself, okay, this just screams to myself, Brock Lesnar wins and keeps that title and I, and I don't really care for it um because I mean if you really are pushing Bromstrom to that next level and you're wanting him to do things and of course I'm sure Lester's gonna go take his hiatus sometime mm-hmm. I don't know when that's it but it's, I feel like it's gonna be soon to me it makes all sense in the world but you're right I don't know that's gonna be happening soon and I think Braun Strowman is one of the biggest stars right now in WWE for multiple, you know, set of reasons. Not only is he going through and killing folks, but he's also a guy that really showcases those that I guess I I don't want to say oddity, but in a way, an oddity Mm -hmm. that people in the mainstream pay attention to. Right. When you see a guy like Bram Strowman and he shows up on a TV somewhere, maybe the news, you know, just showing, you know, hey, WB's coming to our town and they show a picture of Bram Strowman. People are like, oh, my God. Yeah, who is that? And, you know, Andre the Giant had that. I'm not comparing Bram Strowman to Andre, of course. That's completely different. But I I am to an extent. I'm not going to give him that. (laughs) Andre the Giant was world-renowned, okay? So I I don't want people to think I'm being an idiot and saying Bram Strowman's that. He's not. But he's at least a figure that people will stare at, (laughs) just like Andre was. And and so I'm really looking forward to that. You know, The way he treats Brock Lesnar on this episode of Raw – once again proves to people that Braun Strowman is the biggest monster in the game. Who is going to take this guy on? You know, I guess my only other argument is is it's kind of a catch-22 in a sense when it comes to Roman Reigns, and I'll talk about that later. But right now, we know that Brock Lesnar is looking like a chump against this guy. He's a big deal.
0: It looks like he's going to be a big deal for a long time. I, I absolutely agree with you, uh, and, and as great as the story that, I, that they want to tell with Brock Lesnar and Roman, I think there's so much more invested after all the work they did with Braun and Roman's feud earlier this year, and to have that come around full circle at WrestleMania next year would just, I think that would be a lot of great storytelling myself, but we're just going to have to wait and see what they decide to do. For now, let's talk about Braun Strowman taking on John Cena, which immediately out of the gate, I'm already thinking this is a mistake. You have two guys who you can't really afford to lose, and that means they're going to gonna have to do something silly to try to get out of this. And uh, they kind of do. Uh, Braun Strowman and, and John go back-to-back back for a while, throwing blows. Eventually, comes back down, and uh, Strowman tosses Cena into the seal steps and then ends up power-slamming him onto him to force the DQ. This feels like something that probably should have been saved for with some build... Uh, maybe maybe a big pay-per-view event, even though that doesn't really matter. You can bring up Monday Night Football all you want, that you want to have something strong here, but I don't know. This, an average match for something that should not have been an average match. Uh, and, and they come out of this, I, I I mean, both guys don't really gain anything, but they don't really lose anything either. It's just this felt like a mistake from the word go, and it I never shook that feeling.
1: Okay, so I kind of was with you for sure at the beginning of this because when I saw this matchup happening, I felt all those same feelings you did. And then I started to see Braun Strowman just treat John Cena like he did Brock Lesnar, Mm -hmm. like a little rag doll. I mean, there was nothing that John Cena could do. And I thought to myself, okay, this does not really feel good to me for one reason. That's because, well, at least when Roman Reigns faced Braun Strowman, at least, you know, he got a little bit of offense in, you know, he at least got two to three Superman punches in around this time frame, you know, of the match, you know, and it didn't happen for John Cena. John Cena got no offense in pretty much for the first half of this match. Mm hmm. And, and I kind of felt to myself, you're already screaming something to me, and that's that, oh, man, Roman Reigns is the top dog because he, at least he can handle Braun Strowman to an extent. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I remember watching uh, Braun Strowman's, like, you know basically tumble around the ring because, well, you know, uh, drive-by or Superman punch or something by Roman Reigns, and now we have John Cena, and he can't do anything against this guy. So it said a lot of things to me. Um, But that was kind of where I was talking about the Catch-22 with, you know, of course, Brock Lesnar and all that stuff. I'm like, man, it seems like even Brock and John Cena, the top guys, can't handle this guy, but Roman Reigns kind of can to Mm -hmm. an extent. I don't know if that screams anything to you, Paul, but it did to me watching the first half of this match. And then we get, of course, the end here with all the stairs and all that, and I think that's the safe way of ending it. And that kind of got me back on track. Okay, well, at least now I can say that John Cena lost by DQ. It mm-hmm. was nothing to do with John Cena couldn't overcome. He never gave up. He just got, you know, knocked out because Brom cheated. Had nothing yeah. to do with Brom being better. So that was their safety pool. That was their their method to kind of keep us understanding that point. But overall, I don't have a major issue with this because still, once again, Brom Strowman's the biggest monster. He's the scariest guy in the business. They said it it twice tonight, which is kind of funny. They usually don't do that. They said it twice. They're making definitely a huge point on us. Uh, But, you know, those other intricacies I'm kind of curious about. I think Roman Reigns' response to this kind of makes sense, too. And I I think that it gives us something to build on next week, hopefully.
0: I I would definitely feel like this carries over into next week uh, if we do have another promo battle between Cena and Roman Reigns. Uh, so we'll, we'll just have to see where they go with that, because I, I kind of want to move on and talk about the big news with the ladies. But first, we have Sasha Banks take on Emma earlier in the show. Eight minutes, Banks wins with a bank statement. Uh, this never really got going, if you ask me. The live crowd didn't seem to care. And as much as this is now a fatal four-way at no mercy, half of the equation in this, uh, I guess maybe I should say quarter, because Emma's really the only one who doesn't have anything going. You could... S- Naya, I guess it might depend on the crowd, but people do react to her. Sasha, sort of there. And, uh, you know, obviously you have Alexa Bliss at the at the wheel, just head and shoulders above everybody, if you ask me. But they, I felt like Emma could have really used a win here, and this felt just completely wrong.
1: You're telling me. Um, and you mentioned the, the kind of the rankings of these ladies, and if you saw a pie chart, you'd be kind of amazed because I think a lot of it, you're right. I think Alexa Bliss holds a majority of this pie chart. Mm-hmm. And then you start to see the decimals and the, the, the ratios kind of go down for everybody else. So, I you know, here's the thing. Um, I, I really felt like you did. I, I think she really did need this victory. I think for us to really still care about what Emma is and what she's doing, we need to start seeing that. Who cares about a person who never wins, who just runs their mouth? Okay, let's just talk about – I'll just mention his name even though we're talking about him later. Enzo Amore is now basically hated and and honestly not really cared about anymore because of this reason. Who cares about a guy that never wins? And you can tell me underdog all day. I just don't care. Starting to feel that way about Emma, and I hate that because I think at one time there was some great stuff coming out of her character, coming out of what she can do in the ring. And now I'm made to believe that she does not matter. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah.
0: And it's really unfortunate, because she could have been, I think, a nice uh, Dark Horse contender going into that match, at no mercy, but that, that seems to just sort of be a way to maybe make her feel important, even though she's not really, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, we have the announcement that Asuka has signed to Raw. Uh, they do a nice big promo package for her. Nia Jax has seen it. She does not look impressed. Alexa shows up and starts freaking out about her coming and says that... You know, you and me, Nia, should, you know, be having this classic one-on-one match at, at No Mercy instead of this fatal four-way they have us in, and, you know, nobody, Angle doesn't appreciate our friendship, and, and that's when Nia says, you know what, we're not friends anymore. Uh, You can do whatever you want, but I, I want to be the women's champion, and Alexa tries to win her back in so they can be friends again, and... uh. Nia says, you know what, it, it's not going to happen, and next week I got Angle to put us in a one-on-one match, that classic that she wanted. So, uh, Thoughts on Oscar coming to Raw, and then thoughts on Nia and Alexa's interaction here.
1: Well, you know, uh, I think we kind of talked about this back and forth about Oscar's uh, availability for Raw or SmackDown, and I think Raw's a pretty decent place. I think it's a big name for a big show. Mm-hmm. And SmackDown Live is wonderful, but you don't want to have that trend of, hey, you know, every time you come out of NXT, guess what? Blue brand. So I think it's a good change of pace. I think Oscar's going to do an excellent job here. I think that they're obviously expecting her to be something if they are putting her on the Raw brand, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good deal. I-, I like the video that they did, the little vignette that they had you know, of her faces you know the face the mask and then you saw her briefly so i think it's good stuff and i think that you know once again i mean oscar can fit on both brands she does a wonderful job but i really am looking forward to her really helping this side of the women's division because we just said it right there's that pie chart and the pie chart right now is overwhelmingly leaning for one person and the rest of those people including sasha banks are not really all that big with the crowd as at this time mm-hmm
0: Asuka, I, I think she's more needed on Raw as much as I wish she was going to SmackDown. Uh, there's, I think there's a booking reason in this too, just because I, I definitely view Raw's women's division as sort of the weaker half at this moment in time, if you ask me. Just because I think everybody on SmackDown has gotten some air time, they feel developed, there's stuff happening there all the time with everybody. And they're kind of doing that here on Raw, but, I mean, nobody really feels like they matter much outside of Nia and Alexa, and everybody else is just sort of hanging around and needing to matter when they do. So I feel like Asuka can run through the division pretty much, win the championship pretty quickly, and suddenly you have everybody chasing after her. And we've seen that story. We know it's successful, especially if you allow Asuka to be as dominant as she was in NXT. And then start teasing it out that she's starting to, you know, everybody's starting to catch up with her. I feel like that is the right move for Raw. uh, And it's certainly a great way to give somebody to care about what's happening on this show in that division.
1: Yeah, you're not wrong. And I think that it, once again, the excitement behind Asuka helps us, you know, already. It puts a light on that division where honestly, let's be uh, let's Let's just tell the truth. There's not a light on it. (laughs) <laughs> the, the, they have just completely drained every bit of energy away from this division. I think when Charlotte Flair left, we saw a lot of that leave. Yeah. And it's funny to say that, but it's the truth. And you really have uh, issues with several of these ladies. You've got Bailey and Sasha Banks are playing this game of, I'm in limbo. That's about it. That's all you know about them. Well, mm-hmm. I'm either really you know doing something great or I'm really terrible and I'm looking awful. And the rest of them are just there. Nia Jax is not to the point where I think they want her to be. I don't think that she's there getting the crowd excited or mad or angry. I think the crowd is very indifferent when Nia. Sure, she comes in powerful, but we've seen her lose. Mm-hmm. She's not Braun Strowman. They may want her to be that, but she's not. So you're right. Asuka being here is a big help to this division. And I think if they play their cards the right way, she can be that big asset that mm-hmm. makes this whole thing matter again
0: i hope so i i i'm right there with you i completely agree with everything you just said so uh before i think we talk about the last big thing on this show let's talk about all the little stuff here bray wyatt squashes Goldust in about two minutes or so uh post match he goes to start wiping off Goldust's face paint here comes finn to make the save that's all they do for that uh okay uh, you're still telling me not to care is what this is getting at. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't matter. And, mm-hmm. uh,
1: you know, not to quote The Rock or anything. It just really honestly does not matter. And here's the other thing. What happened to the Gold Dust we were all excited about? I, what, what happened to the storyline if Goldust is going to find somebody new for his film? Mm-hmm. I'm expecting some new protege and all this other stuff. I'm like, oh, they're putting it off. And then you make him look like this? Yeah. Really? Re- okay. I just, I'm i frustrated with that. I, now I'm a little bit angry about this. You've already kind of kicked me because you got two of my favorite guys doing nothing, mm-hmm. and now you're doing this to a guy that I was really looking forward to doing something else. I mean, geez, this is just a waste of time. But this is the time you probably should have changed over to the football game and checked something out.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you entirely. Uh, you have the Drifter show up. He's got a new song bearing Anaheim, and then he uh, r- wrestles Kalisto a little north of four minutes, uh, he ends up winning. This probably should have been more of a squash because Kalisto hasn't really been much of anything since he lost the U.S. title all those years ago. Now, so, uh, yay Elias? I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is normal Elias. I, mm-hmm. I guess you could say yay Elias if you really like him, but this is the norm. Guy comes out, does you know, mid Carter Elias beats him up and you, you got to say at least that got offense here. He got a few, you know, moments to highlight, but outside of that, this is all about Elias. Mm-hmm. That's until next week. When we get this again,
0: that's right. That's right. Uh, we have, uh, a Ms TV segment here. Uh, the Ms has some big news and announces that, uh, Maurice is pregnant, which is very cool. Good for her. Uh, and Ms, of course, obviously, uh, he starts to read off something special about fatherhood and how happy he is and all that. And then here comes Enzo Amore, who just can't shake the feeling of, God, I hate you. Uh, because I was kind of looking forward to see what The Miz had to say. Uh, he's all pissed off uh, and then just starts running into running Enzo down, essentially, um, after Enzo does his shtick. This ends up leading to uh, them having a match as Enzo uh, calls Miz a paper champion, and then the Miz drops him, or pretty, beats him up for the most part of their three-minute match until Mori ends up uh, starting to make a small comeback before the Mizoraj jumps in to force the DQ. Uh, I I don't I don't know if I have words for this at all, Gary. I don't really care much about Enzo. I'm not looking forward to his match against Neville. I hope Neville squashes him. I don't know what you're doing with the Miz though. I really don't.
1: Uh, wow, this is gonna be an amazing moment on our show because I I have to disagree. Uh, I, I don't care about Enzo at all. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is that little fly that just kind of keeps going around and around while you're eating this really awesome meal. You don't like it, but hey, you're enjoying your meal. It's because it's your favorite. And I just... Not that I'm, The Miz is my favorite, but I appreciated what he did here because of the fact that I just love his vocal ability, the truth coming out through The Miz to Enzo. Mm-hmm. It was all entertaining. I felt like this is my favorite part of Raw. Now I know... Brom Strowman destroyed two guys on this show so far. I should have said, that's my favorite part. Eh, it's, it's, that's a week-in and week-out thing. I only see that as being something super special. Sure, The Miz does this all the time, too. But I think it means much more when we're kind of looking behind the curtain a little bit. And they're actually saying things that we're reading about and, and some true stories. I kind of like that stuff. I'm a big fan of it. I like it when you know we get some of the more of the behind-the-scenes talk happening on Raw. Uh, but anyway, needless to say, I, I was more entertained by this, I think, than anything else. It wasn't perfect. It was Enzo Amore, but at least getting to see Enzo get told off and then get beat down, I'm happy with it. I, I thought it was fun for myself just to sit back and watch the train wreck happen, uh, For at least for Enzo Amore. And uh, I even liked you know Enzo's post-match thing. I, oh, my God. I couldn't help when Neville was laughing at him. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that's the way I think a lot of people feel right now about Enzo Amore. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I understand Paul. This uh, doesn't really mean anything at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But I think it was my most entertaining time watching Raw. I think that's
0: just what I'm upset about, is you have Miz doing all these great things, and he's got nothing happening. It seemed like he was going somewhere with Jason Jordan. That has seemed to have gone by the wayside. He had something going... uh no, yeah, Jason Jordan was the last thing, and then before that, he was just sort of hanging out again. So, I, I just don't know. Like, I his match with Jeff last week was great. I was hoping he would come out, waiting for another contender, and nothing, just nothing. He's just hanging out again, and that's that's a real shame. It's a real shame. Yeah,
1: exactly. And when when is no mercy? Is it no mercy two
0: weeks?
1: Two, three two weeks? Is it two weeks? So we got two Raws before no mercy actually happens. Um, I, I'm just—I know it's a very short time span, and, and that's the problem for me. Is that you are completely right? The intercontinental champion has no feud, no one to have face, and no mercy unless they do a really quick throw-in, right? Right, and, and that's not good. I don't like that. I need something to build on. Unless you're going to say, "Hey, Jeff Hardy." earn your chance to get it again or, or give somebody else an opportunity, but still it's just a quick turnaround to me when they do that, it makes it feel so unimportant and that doesn't make me happy. And you know, and and Enzo said paper champion, that's the way they're treating this WV intercontinental title. Mm -hmm. They're they're creating it just as a prop. They're not even defending it. Ain't sure they did against Jeff Hardy, but before that, it's just not really something they're doing. So I, I think it's just a waste of time uh, and it's not good. It's not a good waste of time. It's a waste of energy for a belt that matters, and I hate
0: that. They need to use that belt because it can help the show. I agree. I agree entirely. Uh, so let's talk about the last thing on this show, and maybe the biggest because they might have spent the most time on this. Uh, you have Sheamus and Cesaro backstage. They originally were going to face Anderson and Gallos and talk about their title match in No Mercy. Because uh, they're going to win just because they are a real team. Not like Dean and, and uh, Seth here. Rollins and Ambrose come out for commentary but end up getting in a brawl with Sheamus and Cesaro. Uh, this brings out uh, Anderson and Gallows who join in on the fight. And then here comes the Hardys and it's just everybody's fighting and all this. Uh, or, sorry, am I, I think I'm mistaking that. I think it's just those two teams brawling. You have Rollins and mm-hmm. Ambrose, you have Sheamus and Cesaro. Big brawl. It goes everywhere. You have agents and referees come out to separate them and uh, all this all this other stuff. They Later on, Engel says uh, he's going to make uh, an eight-man tag tonight where Sheamus and Cesaro will team up with Anderson and Gallus to face off against Seth and Dean and two partners of their choosing. And you have a fun segment later on where Seth and Dean run into Jamie Noble and Dean Malenko uh <laughs> and and offer to, to use them, but uh you know, Malinko's they they aren't here to just to fight, you know, they're they're just road agents now. They uh they run into the Hardy's, however, they end up being their partners, and that leads us to the main event where you have that eight man tag a little short of fourteen minutes, uh the faces end up going over here. This was kinda lifeless though, if you ask me. But it does set up Possibly a fatal four-way for the tag team titles if they so choose to do so. Yeah, and I kind of felt like that's where they were
1: going. Mm -hmm. I I really do, and, you know, it is what it is. You know, I mentioned this before. I'm not really hot on the tag division right now. I'm a big fan of the Hardys, like every other person in America that watches wrestling. Um, But that's just, you know, the Hardys. Uh, and, And I'm okay with Rollins and Ambrose. They're fine to me. And I like a lot of these other. Basically, I like all four tag teams. I could go down the list, but it's here's my point. I still not super invested. I still don't feel like those tag titles really matter all that much, Mm -hmm. because really, I mean, you say it every week, Paul. Tag division is just not where it needs to be. It's not at the point to where we should care because there's not enough competition, and there's not enough journeys in the story because they're only circulating around a, a minimal amount of teams mm-hmm. and that is not a good thing. And so that's what leads to us right now sitting here saying it's okay. It's, it's fine. So yeah, a decent match here and you know, you get what you get, you know, the faces go over and that's, that is what it, you know it is. I mean, there's really nothing else to say about it. It's really not a positive thing. It's really not a negative thing. You're just kind of, no, okay, move on. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'll say what would have changed my mind on the whole thing is if I would have got to see Dean Malenko get in the ring again, then I'd be a lot of uh, nostalgia and a lot of happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know how he'd wrestle now. He probably wouldn't be that great. But I think, you know, something different in the tag division is much needed. And maybe that's what is good for the revival, because when they are back in, maybe they can freshen things up once more. But right now, hmm, just not hot on this whole thing.
0: I agree. I, I like Dean and Seth as the champions right now. They do still feel fresh. Uh, and and I, I like that whole story up to them winning the titles, even though I kind of wish they didn't win them so quickly. Uh, but you're right. I mean, outside of them, Sheamus and Cesaro, the Hardys have since fallen by the wayside because the Revival got hurt. And Anderson and Gallows have really been a whole lot of nothing the entire time they've been with the company so far, except for very brief periods of time and... It just really stinks. Like You have four great teams you can work with, they're just not built very well, and that's really takes away a lot of enjoyment, even though I do think uh, the the two main teams they've had around the championships recently are, are fun. Uh, that's going to do it for Raw, though, Gary. We just got to rate this bad boy.
1: Yeah, and it's really interesting on why or how I should rate this, because I think that they had some things here that move forward, and I think they had a lot of things here I just didn't care about. Uh-huh. And Maybe that's a normal thing when we talk about Raw. Maybe we kind of say that every week. But here's the thing on this week's episode. I really felt like they were up against some big competition with the NFL back in action week one of the Monday Night Games. And I think that the announcement of Maurice being pregnant was a big deal. Of course, I probably got people on Twitter talking to get people to tune in. I think that they expected a few other things to get people to tune in, like Braun Strowman versus John Cena. Mm -hmm. And maybe people did tune in for those reasons. But I still feel like the show wasn't overall all that grand. I kind of felt like I was just kind of getting through the motions, going through the motions, I should say, mm-hmm. and, you know, and seeing a little progression here and there, but not enough. I'm going to go with a six, and they're lucky I'm not going with a five. I think they did enough big things here that they should get a six, but still, I wasn't thrilled with the show.
0: Yeah, this is not a great episode of Raw, if you ask me. I think the two big storylines they have going are touched on and done very well as far as progressing the story. I'm talking about Roman Reigns, John Cena, Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar. I really dislike the idea, however, of having Braun face John Cena this week. The tag teams felt kind of lifeless this week, which is super unfortunate. I hate what they did with The Miz, even though Enzo got to look super dumb, which is fine. Um and the women's division didn't get a lot of great looks this week, but I am happy about the Oscar announcement. I thought that was fine. I think I'm out of five. I think maybe half the show is worth your time. The other half is just kind of stuff you could forget about because it's not all that interesting. So,
1: yeah. Well, there you go. I appreciate everyone for coming and check us out tonight. I know we had a. Uh, You know, a lot of people dealing with a lot of things this week, you know, of course, with the hurricane situation in Florida and, of course, all the stuff still going down in South Texas dealing with still with the effects of Hurricane Harvey. And if you're in those areas, you know, and you're you know getting a way to find us and maybe you don't have electricity, but you have a way to charge your phone and you're able to listen to us if you can't watch TV or anything like that, we hope you guys are safe. We please, please, you know, be careful. Uh, you know, you know. we just want things to go great for you guys, and it cu- kind of cuts close to home to us because of our good friend, Sean Garmer, our co-host, of course, with Wrestling at the Max, and he's dealing with this stuff right now, and I know a lot of you out there are, and for all those that are lucky enough, like me and Paul, who are not having to deal with those situations, please continue to support those people that are dealing with these issues and send your wishes, prayers, and if you have any funding, you know, send it their way because a lot of these people are with a lot of stuff so i want to throw that out there before we get out of here tonight and once again thank you uh, to formal one mania.com as well as last word on sports stock Do- or last word on pro wrestling.com, excuse me and of course w2mnet.com all those places are great places to go make sure you go subscribe at wrestling to the max go ahead and rate and review for us and we appreciate you guys we will see you guys down the road have a good one guys
0: the following podcast is a w2m network original production Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.